0: and we're back after that brief hiatus with about half a dozen more episodes to go welcome to episode 8 i'm your host noel woodward and this is for the love of for the love of the sea all aboard with kevin woodward kevin is a second mate and a watchkeeping officer also the ship's navigator other duties vary, but the second mate is often the medical officer, is in charge of maintaining distress signalling equipment, and assists the chief mate with cargo operations. In this episode, Kevin joins us to talk about his life at sea, how he joined the Merchant Navy, his work aboard vessels, as well as the nitty-gritties of the profession. Hi Kevin, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Hello. It's very strange, actually. The point is, you know, this first time, it's been my cousin interviewing me. And uh, I mean, this has been, uh, I mean, I'm seeing him also for the first time as, you know, on, on, a, on a virtual conversation, which is quite strange, but we'll go through this. Let's do this. Yeah.
0: So before we talk about your work, could you introduce yourself?
1: Okay. So um, my name is, of course, Kevin Woodward. I live in Calcutta, which is around 1,400 kilometers from Delhi, where this conversation happening from. And I've been in the Merchant Navy for the last nine years. More mm, oh, nine okay, years. Wow. wow. Yeah, I joined my career at sea in 2012, and 2021 January would make me nine years.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, at sea. Yeah.
1: yeah, I joined at the age of 19. Uh, where my one of the first captains who were with me was like, uh, damn, I have a teenager on board. <laughs> and he was really, really scared of the fact that, you know, someone at this young age who is at sea. As of now, I am a second officer. Uh, doing my studies to become chief officer. And one day will be captain. Perfect.
0: So you've been back home for a couple of months now. Um, you know, I think you extended your stay on the vessel because of the entire pandemic so what's been up and how have you been spending your time at home now that you're back
1: see home is uh, somewhere where i you know really unwind i mean i do the basic bare minimum i for me small things matter at home because of the fact that i'm not at home all the time so you know menial jobs at home are big things for me like you know Going to even the supermarket or even like, you know, just going to the petrol pump and filling gas and, you know, filling air in tires, which is like something quite menial for another person at, who stays here. But here, for me, it's me getting involved in at home. And it's very important for me to do that because it's, it gives a homely vibe. And for me, I usually, whenever at home, I either travel, I go out with my mom, or if my sister's in town, I go, we go out for holidays. That's one thing I always do. And rest of the time, I either do some online training and some courses, and there's always Netflix.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, so yeah, so that yeah. that's the daily routine at
0: home. Cool. So let's dive in. Pun not intended into how you started out and what kind of prep goes into joining the Merchant Navy. I was reading about the standards of training and certification of watchkeeping and and the various different routes by which you can join, depending on you know which department you want to be part of. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I give you a very basic breakdown as of now. It- are uh, i mean uh, firstly you need to be a science student in your 11 and 12 that's that is one of the criteria and uh, i will give you another criteria where you if you are not a science student and uh, and you don't and you really want to do this so there's another option about that but i will speak about that little later let's take it from the mainstream where you have science in 11 and 12 and from there, you need to give an all, entra- all, entra- all India entrance exam, uh, where you have to get a score, and you would be, uh, you know, put into uh, training, uh, credit, tra- credit-based training, where which is a uh, uh, diploma in optical science, which will lead to a B.Sc. Uh, so the point is that you need to do 11 months of uh, hard training, where you are, where they do a psychometric analysis of the person who joins this course, where they are ready to join and be that of a mindset to be at sea. So this is very important because of the fact that, you know, you are not at home for the period of time when you're at sea. And there's no, uh, you know, family to support. You are alone and you have your own, I mean, crew members who you have to be a part of. And that's very important for you to imbibe. And so they do that analysis of that person prior the fact that they take you in. So this is what I went through. So I gave the sentence exam. And then after that, I was called for an interview where, um, where this captain asked me, I mean, in my psychometric analysis, where he asked me strange questions. For example, he asked me, Uh, I mean, very basic physics, I mean, uh, concepts like Archimedes' principle, uh, laws of buoyancy. Uh, And then he asked me uh, questions about uh, how, I mean, like, uh, would you help? I mean, if you have an aged woman crossing the road, would you help her? You know, just basically testing your mindset. And the final question he asked me is that, uh, why would you want to join the Merchant Navy. So uh, many, I mean, he looked at me after I answered this question and I told him, like, see, I was very fascinated about the fact that you used to get those small boats where you used to light, uh, you know, know, a small wick and it used to work out of air pressure built up and it used to make that loud noise. It cost some 30 rupees on Amazon, by the way. It's still available. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, so I told him about this. And then he then asked me the physics behind it. And I explained to him the concept. And he was quite fa- happy about what I did then. And then I remember I was at the movie hall with you guys. Uh, in that time, it was in... I don't remember the movie theater. It was Spice, I think. And we were entering the Spice Mall with Auntie and Shane. We were all there. We and I got a call that, you know, you are selected. Yeah. And from there, I did my 11 months of training. Yeah. And then I have joined. Let's see. I mean, I joined as a cadet. Cool. That was. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, you you spoke about joining as a cadet. So, let's just talk about the departments aboard a ship and, you know, the various ranks involved.
1: So, the two departments there are actually, I would rather say two and a half departments on board. One is the tech department, who the boss is the captain. And you have the engine department, who is the head, I mean, the head of the engine department is the chief engineer. So the following ranks and, and the third department, which I say is very important, is the catering department because without them we won't work. Okay, so catering department is very important to mention here. That's why I. So you have the captain who is the head of the deck department and sole in charge of the ship. In technical terms, he is actually called the company representative on board. So he he is. I mean, superior to the chief engineer on board, and he's basically sole power on board. I mean, whatever it is, captain is always right. And if not, you follow rule number two, which says that's the same. Rule number one, where, you know, follow rule number one. I mean, captain is always right. I mean, that's very important that the person at sea should know. And and you can never say, but, but captain, this is, this. if he says this has to be done, you just say yes. Uh, So you have captain, after that follows him is the chief officer. And then follows the second officer. And then you have the third officer. And then you are, then that's the apprentice who is the cadet. And on the other side, you have your chief engineer, your first engineer, second engineer, third engineer, and cadets. These are the officer rank and the engineer ranks on board. And you, in your catering department, you have a, a chief cook. A steward, a messman, and they follow their their orders from the chief cook. And uh, also, you have crew members which are separated on both sides of the departments: your deck and engine, where you have one bosun and and two three ABs. So uh, AB is an able-bodied seaman. He has authority to steer the vessel. I mean, he has to do manual steering. And you have oh, ordinary seamen who are only there to like do I mean critical jobs but they are not hands on experienced seamen so they will reach the state of an able body seaman with experience and proper promotions and good evaluations from the head of department and the other side you have your how do I say you have your your engine department who where you have crew there also who help the engineers so you have your oiler, motorman, wiper. And so these guys are like, you know, they are doing really hard jobs, very heavy duty jobs in the engine. And like uh, they go in, you know, clean overall and they come back in like black, in full with oil and muck. And I mean, we should never uh, understand. We should understand that how they really, you know, these... The crew on board is very, very important. Without them, we cannot survive. I mean, they are the heart and soul of the ship. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Um, that's, that's a really interesting way of kind of uh, breaking all the roles down. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, let's just come to your position. And uh, I'll just read out a portion of what you sent me. So, the second mate is the third in command. Or on some ocean liners, fourth, and is a watchkeeping officer, customarily the ship's navigator, who is often the medical officer and in charge of maintaining distress signaling equipment, and usually assists the chief mate with the cargo operations. Could you elaborate on your role as second mate?
1: So, as the second officer, as you rightly mentioned, is that, you know, I mean, especially let's put in perspective, this is a very uh, general statement which you have put and I'm going to make it tie specific towards where I'm concerned. Uh, so uh, so as a second mate in my company and as per what I have done and the role that I have played as a second officer is quite similar to what you said but I'll break it across to you where a second officer is in charge of navigation he looks after as you said all navigation equipment so let's break down there i mean the break uh, navigation equipment is a very vast term where you have the ship works on different navigational equipments for it to move from point a to b so you have radars you have gps you have uh, echo sounders you have gmdss equipment which is your distress signaling equipment you have your telecommunication, which is your satellite communication. And also you have something called an electronic chart display system, which is called short form for EGDIS. And so these are your aids and your your navigational tools, which every watchkeeping officer uses in his time at on his duty. And so it is my responsibility. To keep those equipments in check, to do uh, service, to do services on time, I mean, because, because we have a show-based maintenance where, you know, we have to call out, I mean, outsource it to a technician from Ashore, where he would do his part of the updates and uh, taking care of the hardware and the software of which is run. But I have to do my own checks, which is specifically mentioned in our PMS, that is our plan maintenance and our our SMS, that is our ship management uh, role where where we have to follow the guideline by our company, where I have to follow specific checks and weekly checks, monthly checks and daily checks of each and every equipment and they have to follow their parameters and the limits which are given to us. And if it's in limit, well, it's working in good order. Otherwise, no, I have to call the technician and then we have to take it further from there. So one is the navigational equipment. Two is that I, as a second officer, I have to look after navigational charts. So these navigational charts are usually published by UKHO, which is United, uh, it's from, her Majesty, Her Majesty, uh, it's from UK. Uh, it's run by the Admiralty Group, which is a hydrographer from UK, and it is run. I mean, the, the body which is above her is the is the Queen. So she, it is the all navigational charts are published and printed by the Admiralty uh, publications and they control the navigational charts and publications where of each and every part of the world. So that is a very general statement where you, I mentioned this, uh, where, so for example, uh, if I need a chart for, from the Indian coast, I would buy it from Admiralty, where they have their own hydrographers grow, chart out the navigational part that is the water area of where we navigate through and that chart is printed by them. But the updates come from an Indian hydrographer who takes all the local data and they send it to Admiralty for printing. So So this update comes to us every week on a Tuesday. And it is my job to update each and every navigational chart. On my active route, that is the route that I am, uh, I mean, uh, traveling through. And so that's one thing. And then you have a electronic chart database where you get a DAT file, a DAT file where I download the DAT file and I load it onto the ECDIS, which is the electronic chart, and it runs its own system. It's basically like an update, and that is done every week. It's very important that uh, this this is a very important part of a second officer's job, where you are updating things on your track, and something sometimes it can be very uh, crucial to your navigation navigation because uh, if I don't do this, sometimes you know in open open even in open ocean, people uh, I mean oceanographers put something called an ODAS boy. So ODAS boy is an ocean database kind of boy where it collects data from the ocean. And it's also got this seismic, it pulls seismic data from the uh, seafloor. And it's for your movement of tectonic plates and stuff like that. I mean, it's a very small example, but it is usually put for reading this data. But this data is sent to, Admiralty that, you know, at so-and-so latitude and longitude, we have put this boy, please inform all navigational officers and all ships that this is in this position and to keep clear of it. So this this is a very small example that every day, every day there are new changes and it comes into force every week by this collective system from the Admiralty publications and that's one of the things second thing is that i have to keep in check of the gmdss equipment that is your distress signaling whereas you know i have to also look after you know the the hardware which is there placed on board and also to make you know terminal checks with the shore based service people who are there to at our assistance and and they would come and assist us at any point of time. So basically, we do test calls to the search and rescue squad every week so that they know that our communication is working. So that's very important. So that in the middle of the ocean, at least somebody will come and help. Otherwise, you know, I mean, people say that, you know, the ocean is uh, relentless, but. After Titanic, what Titanic did for us is very, very vital for the fact that, you know, we have so many safety measures here in place that uh, it is, I will not say impossible, mm. but close to impossible. Yeah. That, that will never happen again. Their lives will be lost. Yeah. Yeah. So um,
0: I'll come to safety in a bit. Uh, but um, just one thought, I was just by listening to you speak about uh, the various navigation systems so within that just a very hypothetical case where you know some of these navigation systems don't work what if one of these systems fails and you're not able to kind of update your charts uh, is there a fallback option to that
1: if i don't update my charts and I have my some of my navigation equipment fails so there are uh, see there's always an emergency protocol that we have in place and that is for different scenarios on the ship okay uh so if we lose one gps yes that means it doesn't pole position uh so and there is another gps in place so every item which is a navigational tool or an aid is duplicated on board okay so you have each and every item which we need is duplicated especially the especially uh, there are there are two things there here. One is an aid to navigation and one is, which is a very primary need where you need a compass on board. So that's why we have three compasses on board. Okay. And two spare. Okay. So that is the, I mean, I'm giving you an example of how much, I mean, precaution one has taken to even, you know, commission a vessel, whether you know you need a compass. So that's why, as you said, that even if one fails, you have two in backup and one which I can change on the spot. So, that, that's, that's the amount of precaution which has been taken. Yeah, alright.
0: So, there are a variety of vessels that you get to work aboard as part of the merchant navy. Um, so, so, how do they vary? Is it purely to do with cargo? Uh,
1: uh, they vary on the type of cargo. And they vary on let uh, I me mean, see one is the type of cargo. And there's other systems which are in place where the, where ships are concerned, there are those inland ships which and there are ocean liners which go out of I mean which I work on. So uh, the inland ships, I mean or barges or you call them small craft, they are, I mean, I am certified to even work on them, but they are very, I mean, local and they are not very, I would rather say specified in their duty, though they're they're still doing good work, but it's not a very specialized thing, but they may carry anything, you know, and I've seen them at sea. They are like, you know, auto drivers in Sadar Bazaar, you know. (laughs) Yeah, uh, they are like that. They are like rats. <laughs> and we don't like them. I mean, they have no... And literally, it's like driving an 18-wheeler truck and you have these guys, you know, zooming past you and you're just pressing the horn. And remember, I don't have brake. So so that's how I'm driving, basically, around them. But where uh, ships are... Thai-specific type, ships are by cargo. Namely, you have container ships. Which I work on, uh, so they are uh, they they carry containers. So to break down that part, a container is uh, are a defined in as a box, which is either a twenty foot box or a forty foot box, and we carry on my last ship uh, was around five thousand containers, uh, which was on board, and but that's actually quite less compared to the amount of traffic. I mean, amount of flow of cargo traffic, as you call it. Uh, whereas today, ships are carrying 20 to 21,000 containers on board. Okay, so you have container ships, you have oil tankers, you have uh, chemical tankers, you have bulk carriers, you have dedicated car carriers. And uh, uh, there are a few ships which are called Roro, which are like roll-on, roll-off, where trucks drive in and they'll drive off in the next destination. So, this is a general general idea of the type of ships, which I actually... Yes.
0: Yeah, so, so, just wanted to know what, so what kind of cargo do you, um, you know, kind of carry across various
1: destinations? See, uh, an oil tanker will be uh, usually uh, different grades of crude. Okay, you have crude oil, and I'm not a tanker person, so I I'm not very familiar with, you know, the grades of crude oil that they carry because they have a different terminology and, you know, they have a lot of calculations with that. I mean, it's a very specific job for a tanker person who works on tankers. Uh, chemical tankers, uh, where you have chemical tankers, they carry things like you know nitric acid, sulfuric acid and uh, benzene uh, and in large amounts, I mean, like 20,000 tons of benzene. So, And it's in liquid form. And they're all carried at it, their own safety precautions in place. And that's very type-specific as a ship. I can speak about containers, which of I've worked on those ships, I mean, all my life till now. So, so you can, whatever you see in your household is probably carried by my ship at least once. Okay, uh, it could be a small item like the headphones I'm using right now, to a safety pin, and even things like medicine, fish, uh, meat, uh, books, computers, uh, hairpins, uh, needles, microwave. I mean, you you name it, it's carried on board. And uh, technically, off officially, I really don't know what is in the container it is sealed. I am only informed about only dangerous cargo and as and it is segregated by its class. And the classes of danger have its own class as per the IMDG code. And uh, whereas we know that, you know, if this kind of cargo is there and if there is kind of a leak or an explosion, we would tackle the safety and the emergency aspect of the situation, that's it. Only the shipper and the receiver of the container knows what's inside. Okay, okay,
0: all right. So what, what kind of uh, cargo comes under the bracket of uh, dangerous cargo?
1: So you have, I mean, dangerous cargo, like you have oxygen cylinders, uh, chemicals, oxides. You have uh, you have peroxides. You have uh, any kind of uh, explosive. Especially during July, there'll be lots, lots of explosives uh, going from China to uh, to to the United States. But actually, that is actually firecrackers going for the Fourth of July. So we carry those car, those kind of cargo on board. So any petroleum good, any kind of hazardous, corrosive, you have your acids, all those things are carried on board and they have their own safety measure where we have to take care of any kind of spill should be contained on board and not gone overboard because we have to protect the environment.
0: So um, just want to understand since you're on a container vessel, uh, what's it like a day on a ship? What's the day in the life?
1: Okay. Uh, so, since I mean as, as as a second officer, so your day starts at 12 noon. Okay. Uh, so no, my day day starts at midnight, actually. Let's take it that way because okay, my I day starts at midnight. So my I navigate the ship from midnight to 4 a.m. Okay. And after that, I hand over the navigational watch to the chief officer who comes and relieves me at 4 a.m. And I go to my cabin and I probably, I mean, I watch a movie. Uh, and by 5, 5.30, when I'm dozing off, I pass out, and I go to sleep. And uh, I wake up around 11. And uh, then I'll go down to the mess room and have lunch and at 12 noon i'm back in the on on the navigational bridge where i'm back at my duty from 12 noon to 4 pm after that uh, after 4 pm i usually go to the hospital which because i'm a medical officer so i go there and check on things i mean i usually go and check inventory if anybody needs some kind of small medicine or aid or small cuts I take care of those kind of I take care of the crew in that matter and uh, small menial jobs are there so those things I get done and if I have really a lot of work to do I'm probably at on the bridge when there's a nav- navigation deck after 4 p.m. I hand over the watch to the chief officer and I still continue my work of correcting charts and you know updating publications because. Without that, you know, it's I will probably not sleep because I don't. I will not allow, you know, something in front of me which I don't know about. So that's my daily routine. Then after around 5 36 we have dinner. So usually our dinner time is very regulated. Our meals. So you. Are, so by 6:30, I think the whole crew is eaten and the mess rooms are shut and uh, if you want to eat anything beyond that time, the refrigerators are always full of your salami, your cheese, and all those things are there, which you can always help yourself to. And uh, I'm not a gym freak, so I don't go to the gym, but there is a well-cooked gym on board. And uh, other th- so many people use it. And uh, that's one kind of entertainment on board. Uh, whereas some people play table tennis and, and and there's a huge movie hall on board where people watch movies so that's that's what we do on board
0: And that was part one of the episode we continue our conversation next week and we discuss safety protocols traversing the Suez Canal Kevin's favorite current as well as his encounter with pirates subscribe to us on anchor spotify apple podcast pocketcasts and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts follow us on instagram at for the love of podcast or write to us with your thoughts ideas comments at connect at for the love of podcast.in. Thanks for listening. This is For The Love Of.